So, Paul, I'm back. Where have you been? Well, I've not been invited. Uh, I'm oh, sure. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Do <laughs> so I have to come in there? <laughs> separate, separate, separators, yeah. I've brought a very special guest today. Who have you brought? I've brought my mummy. Oh. Well, she was out with me and I thought I'll bring her along to a podcast to talk about... Um, she actually told me we were going to a wine bar. She <laughs> So I've, I've brought my mummy with me um, to talk about intergenerational trauma. Wow. <laughs> so I thought she'd be the best person to talk about that. It was really light-hearted up to it that It was really point. light-hearted. I just sort of dropped Who brought the, you along? Dropped the bombshell. Why did you come back? No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'll let my mum introduce herself a little bit. Um, maybe it'll make more sense to the listeners Great. as to why okay. I've invited her along. Perfect, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm Maeve's mummy, as she said, and my name's Mary O'Boyle. And I have to say O'Boyle here because if I say Mary O'Boyle, they say Muriel Boyle. So uh, it's my accent. I thought yeah, it was so. Muriel. No. <laughs> <laughs> so did the airlines in Tasmania, funny enough. Um, so I was born in Belfast. And then I came to Scotland 35 years ago. Uh, my husband got a job over here and I've never left since. Scotland, Scotland, thirty-five years. Thirty-five years. Yeah. So, are you Scottish now? I I've lived here longer than I've lived. I lived in Northern Ireland, so okay. I suppose I've got double heritage. Double. And what what age yeah. were you when you came over? I was twenty-seven. Got yeah. on twenty-seven. Yeah. So I, I was, was expecting me. I, I would say over. I was made in Ireland, but born, born in Scotland. In Scotland. Mm-hmm. My mum was uh, four months pregnant with me. Mm, not quite. Uh, yeah, something around that anyway. Yeah, yeah. when, when the yeah. mom came here with when we with came me. over. So, and yeah. that that was a brave move, or just a, something that you had to do as a couple. Like, was it a conscious well, thing, or was it just a let's go? Oh no, we we had to do it. We right. had to do it. But we um, well, funny enough, Glasgow was always known as the the city where all these knife crimes knife crimes were yep. going on, and I remember Lawrence's dad saying, "Why do you want to move to Glasgow?" And he said, I don't want my children brought up in a sectarian country. Okay. So so it's it's sort of uh, the better it's a better half of two evils, I suppose. But no, he was um I guess growing up in Northern Ireland as a child, I never saw the trauma in it. I you'd I was too young to feel that. And it was only when I started working and get got married and in relationships, and we left in 1987, when all the sort of um, assassinations were happening. So there was a bit of fear going out at night because there was all these random shootings and of innocent. Well, there's all innocent people that died, but all these random shootings. So you you weren't sure what part of the city was safe anymore. During the seventies, growing up, it was riots, you know. So, and you, just you knew who, you, yeah, yeah, you stuck to your own side. You stuck to your own side of the fence, and you sort of knew where to go and who to talk to. And and it's it's really weird because we had our own taxi service and we had our own bus service, um, and you didn't veer outside your own side of town. Um, but like I say, I was only eight when the troubles started for me the troubles had been going on for years previous to that in the 1950s and whatever so um but I didn't see any of that I was only eight when it started so for me to realize that there was trauma involved in this 
it wasn't until I became, like I say, a teenager, going to work, get, having a relationship, getting married, um, <clears throat> that things were happening around us that we thought we have no control over this and we don't want. I, do, I certainly didn't want my children brought up in that. My parents, I would say, were the bravest people on earth because they kept us all safe. Um, they were brought up. My mum came into the world, sort of the tail end of World War Two, mm -hmm. and my dad. So they had seen conflict as well mm -hmm. around the world happening, as well as their own country. And they didn't want that for their children either. So my dad used to do a head count every night. And my brother was 18. His girlfriend lived two doors down from us. And my dad would go down and say, if you know home to go to, you know, get up the road, there's trouble. And we would all be there and we'd all I be head counted. I imagine that in. though, like trying mm -hmm. to like do a head count of your own children every night. Right. Yeah, yeah, it Making was. Making sure they were all in. Yeah. And even we, the dog. We laugh sometimes because you'll say, <laughs> even, the, even the dog. <laughs> but we laugh sometimes because you'll say, oh, it was a wee bit of trouble. Or when we have family, family, you know, barbecues or we've got the whole family around, it's mm. like, oh, it was a wee bit of trouble. It was just a wee bit of trouble. And it's always that just brush off kind of humour. Yeah that's around what was really a, a civil war, if you think yeah, about it. Yeah, it, it became very much the gallows humour. You had to sort of see some sort of humour in it to get through it. And I would dearly love if anybody out there knows who called it the Troubles, who came up with that name. Mm -hmm. Because like you say, it was a civil war. It was people fighting with each other and fighting different parts of the country. So... But I said it was also a guerrilla war because there was no winners. Yeah. Somebody was always going to pick up the gauntlet and run with it. So there was never going to be a f an end to it, really. So we, 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 share, we share a little in common. So mm -hmm. my dad was born in Belfast. All right. And I have vague recollections, and they are really vague. But you talked about staying on you know, mm -hmm. your own side. Mm -hmm. I definitely remember being in a cab mm -hmm. and we were traveling across Belfast and I remember I had to then get under the coat or something because we mm -hmm. were going through a particular area um, yeah. and I didn't really understand it at the time and why like is this a game are we playing a game or mm. um, and it only yeah. came to light mm -hmm. when you know I was older that I processed it but yeah. I think that was like a tiny peephole yeah. into the depths and murkiness of, yeah. of what was going mm -hmm. on. And you're right, no, nobody won. No, um, no. And it's such a shame. So, like, because you were able to process it later mm -hmm. on, is that where you felt most of the hurt then? Because because all of a sudden it was real now, it was tangible. Yes, uh, and, and you were, you're talking about going through different parts of the city and having to stay on your own side. And, and Maeve knows what story I'm going to tell. Mm -hmm. When Maeve and Connor were younger, we took them to France on camping holidays, mm -hmm. quite a few years in a row. And my father-in-law lived in a mixed area. Well, well, just to sort of go back, to step back on that. When we got married, we lived in a, mix, a mixed area. Okay. And not too far away from uh, my husband's dad and... But there was a part of the area that you had to go through and coming up to the 12th of July, the pavements were painted red, white and blue. And, you know, so we had been in France, World Cup, 
that year. Yeah. France won. Yeah. So we came home and we're driving, came off the ferry, we're driving up through the area and my son is looking out and I could see his wee brain taking over. And he went, Dad, is this where all the French people live? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, this is exactly where the French people live. So forever in a day, that was known as the French quarters. Because my I children, yeah. Yeah. they didn't know that, the difference between yeah. that. And and even when I was growing up, my mum and dad had, I'm a Catholic, right? Yeah. Uh, well, brought up a Catholic. My mum and dad had friends who weren't. Yeah. But they were always in and out of our house and no harm came to them. But it was very far and few between the people did that. You never knew who did that. Right. You never knew what neighbours had friends of the opposite religion. Nobody or, talked nobody about talked it. Right? About yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but so we'd always known that as the French quarters, and that's what it, that what it became. So, I've digressed now. I can't even remember what so I'm, I'm talking I, about in here. In terms of like when you were processing it, was that did you feel a gear shift in how you processed and felt what you'd been through? in that time and what I guess friends, colleagues, loved ones had been yeah. through as well? Like, did it kind of suddenly hit you? Or, or actually, was time the processor for you and there wasn't a kind of a brick wall where suddenly, you know, you, you were hit and processing it? Yeah, I, I think just different events sort of came... It's, it's, it's shocking to say, Paul, but yeah. at the very beginning, <clears throat> when I realised what was actually happening in my, my, my city, my, my country... There was that shock element and that sort of anger and bitterness that was felt. And then the more it went on, it became very blasé about it all. Right. And that's shocking. It's shocking, yeah. You know, people, when you heard the first bomb going off, you know, people were sort of like hysterical about it. And, oh, my God, you know, they don't go down that road. There's this, that. And then you used to walk by and, you know, you'd hear a bomb going off. And you're, oh, I wonder where that was, you know. And it was, and it's the strangest. Almost normalized. It really. was normalized, and it's it's a horrible way to sort of think of things. But it, it happens everywhere, you know. Now even you have all these shootings in schools in America, and at first it's oh my god, you know what's happening in these schools. Now people think oh that's America, you know. So and that's just yeah. expected now, which is not right. You know, it's because it's it's normalizing the trauma and people then find it more difficult to deal with it because that's part of their life, you know. And, and um, so me growing up there, we had a very strong family bond. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> my dad kept his family very safe, my brothers and my sisters. And we were, the gallows humor came in. You know, you learn to deal with it. I mean, when the bombs used to go off and the, the windows were blown in, you'd always get somebody making a joke about it or, you know, my sister would pull up the blind and shout two fish suppers and a hamburger and close the, the blind again, you know. <laughs> but this was just how people coped. And it's the humour that got a lot of people through that. Yeah. You know, there's and I think you talk a lot about what happened, your experiences with the family. You're always talking about it. There isn't a conversation we where did. you have together where there's not conversation. And I think no. you always say that to me. Whenever there's something going mm -hmm. on, talk about it. You mm -hmm. know, even if you're journaling or you're talking to yourself yeah. in the mirror, mm -hmm. talk about it. Mm -hmm. Talk about what's what's happening. There's that's, no secrets about no, it. No, that's what sort of, as I got older, that has been my therapy. That's where I can talk about it. And people... 
whenever you were in Belfast, if someone asked me where I, I lived, where I lived was the Falls Road, mm -hmm. which was all Catholic. But if I went somewhere with my friends, did dance on the other side of the town, mm -hmm. and somebody asked me where I came from, I would say the Antrim Road, because that's mixed. Right. So you'd okay. never know. Yeah. And it's a safe. And like it's a safe. No, you can't. Yeah, you can't yeah. say, oh, she's a Catholic. She's yeah. a Protestant. Yeah. And, uh, but, <clears throat> and that's just the way it was when you were brought up. You had to sort of lie about Take things yourself. and pr to protect yourself. And I remember even when I came here and started working, people would say, oh, what part of Ireland do you come from? Belfast. Oh, what part of Belfast? And I'd find myself going, uh, um, almost frozen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I thought, do you know Belfast? Not really. <laughs> number one, why are you asking? Yeah. But number <laughs> two, uh, I was able then to say without fear, I came from the Falls Road. Mm -hmm. But there's always that mentality with people from Northern Ireland, maybe not so much now, but when I was growing up in the 70s, mm -hmm. um, there was the slogans of loose lips sink ships. You know, you, you yeah. can't speak out of turn, yeah. you know, and you had to watch your P's and Q's. And but and that was just for everybody, not just for me. Yeah. And that wasn't just for the Catholic areas. That was the from the, the Protestant people as well, too, because they were hemmed in by it all, too. You know, and there was a peace wall. I mean, you might as well have called it the Berlin Wall, you know, because that separated two parts of the city. It's, it's, it's so funny when, when you're talking, you're talking about, you know, explosions going mm -hmm. off. You're talking about walls being up. Mm. It's almost like we're talking about a, a, a movie, yeah, like yeah. a feature yeah. film. Yeah. It's like that that can't have been real. Mm. And actually, it really wasn't many years ago, was it? No. no. And it no. was very real. No. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I've got a maybe a, a bit of a deeper meaningful, but you experience anything in life. And mm -hmm. we're talking about the troubles. Yeah. But you experience anything. And I think there's this, I don't know whether you agree with me or disagree with me. I think there's a, there's a point where you're an external part of the thing that you're experiencing. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. you're, you're kind of, uh, uh, you're on the sidelines, you're kind of assessing it. Outside looking, outside in. looking yeah, yeah, in. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's a point that you potentially cross where actually you become the experience. Mm -hmm. And that I think is a potentially, not always, but a potentially kind of dangerous place to be mm -hmm. in terms of it consumes you. Yeah. Right. And mm -hmm. and now you you've kind of lost who you were. Yeah. Because you you mm -hmm. you're now part of the experience, and we're not just talking about the troubles. We could be talking about anything, right? So, you know, um, watching football for fun, and then you know, transitioning over years into becoming you know a hooligan, a hooligan or something, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. And now you're yeah. in it, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. before you were just on the side looking at it, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. so mm -hmm. so there's a danger, I think, and a cross point. I, based on what I know about my dad's family and experience mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think certainly some people mm -hmm. crossed from looking at it from the outside into being a part of it right and it doesn't mean they were part of it but it mm -hmm. means it consumed them yeah um, and that and that yeah. might have been through loss bereavement experience mm -hmm. trauma anything but it was now a part of them mm -hmm. and that that's mm -hmm. that's the shame that I think genuine shame and sadness mm -hmm. when that happens in the negative sense. Yeah. Um, you can yeah. also spin it and say there's lots of experiences where you can become part of it in a positive way as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then you become almost one dimensional. So I just wonder whether you feel like you were able to 
stay separated from you know the 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 depths of it all if i hadn't have had the parents that i had yes i think there could have been a very different road that i could have went down because there were um neighbors and people that i knew whose families did go down that route Mm. who did become consumed and bitter about Mm. the whole thing and didn't lead a very nice life actually some of them probably are away now Mm -hmm. but if i hadn't have had my parents guidance on that yes my brothers could have went down a very different road yeah and even my sisters and and myself so i that's why i say i think my parents were the bravest people in the world and a lot to be thankful for. yeah Mm -hmm. they had six children that who never brought trouble to their door Mm -hmm. you know who were never in trouble you know we weren't honest (laughs) (laughs) but i think that's also um reflective in in my parents as well that that wasn't passed down to my brother and i either because it could easily you know my parents had to leave northern ireland because of the Mm -hmm. troubles because of all the the sort of fighting that was going on the assassinations that were going on that could have that sort of bitterness and and anger could have been passed down to my brother and i and it, it wasn't yeah. You know, my, my, my dad bought us Irish history books. You know, he was very um, encouraging of us to, to know both mm-hmm. sides of the story, to know what was actually go, what was actually going on. Yeah. Um, mm. And both my brother and I, you know, are, you know, are not, you know, sectarian or bitter or, or any of those things that we could have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. could have easily gone, gone the other way, had that, you know, the generational... Passing so down. I was going yeah. to say, so, so do we feel like, it, it seems like that, intergenerational trauma may have been avoided in each case through the generations mm, yeah. or yeah mm-hmm. so so well, i wanted to ask that question actually because i think that's mm. an interesting question okay. so i read a study yeah where they had them as american study where they had this this group of mice uh-huh. and they exposed them to cherry blossoms the smell of cherry blossoms but every time they did that they electrocuted them they gave them like electric shocks oh. so that Every time that they smelled these cherry blossoms, they would associate the smell of cherry mm-hmm. blossoms yeah. with pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then these mice had children. And what they discovered that these mice, these children of these mice, these mice also feared the cherry blossoms, even oh. though they didn't have the electric shock. The shocks. association. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. The, the genetic um, pattern, sort of the, the DNA pattern. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting that we, we passed down our, our DNA. Mm. Um, and I, I wondered what um, mum would say if I said to her, you know, what what do you think you've passed down to, you know, my brother and I in terms of intergenerational trauma or just DNA or... Mm. Well, the thing that I, I think when Maeve and Connor were growing up and Maeve will be the first to say this, I never allowed them to have a gun. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't blue and green and shot water at you, you weren't allowed it. Mm-hmm. Um, a cap gun, nothing. And I actually remember being in a, a shop. We were going down to pick your dad up. And you wanted a cap gun. And I said, absolutely not. No way. And the guy behind the counter gave me a hard time because I wouldn't let her have a gun. And I said, when you come from where I come from, mm-hmm. you wouldn't let your children have guns either. Mm-hmm. And he he never said anything, but yeah, we weren't allowed guns as kids. No, so, no, no, no. Unless it was brightly coloured and shot water at you, there was no way you were getting it. Yeah. And your dad actually took. <laughs> she was wanted a gun. I began to worry about her wanting a gun, but <laughs> um, but he made her a wooden one. No, wouldn't shoot. Worry about them more, <laughs> no, than, more, no, than more than guns. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I have to live with her. Oh, God, so I have to so be nice. Sorry, you know? so, sorry. <laughs> so, but she um. 
So her dad made her a wooden gun. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> he said to her brother, would you like a wooden gun? He went, no, I want a sword. And I thought, oh, dear God. <laughs> well, I've got from guns to swords. What we raised, you know. But even but football shirts? No, absolutely. No. No, no, no. My brother saved no. that by his first um, football Well, that shirt. was your dad's um, fault. Right. That was, was your dad's fault. I think he was 16. Uh, you know, he's a bit younger than that. He, I never, I didn't approve of young children going about with... Um, football shirts in the town mm -hmm. uh, call me a snob call me mm -hmm. whatever you want and I detested the fact that then a lot of the football stuff had drink logos on them yes like a drinks yeah. company yeah and I thought no 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 so Connor um wanted a football strip and I said no you're not getting one you're not old enough to get one and his dad said to him when you have the money to buy us a football strip you can get one and, and what happened it came to his birthday and he had the money to buy one. Yeah, so, one. so we couldn't. But if I was going out with them, they weren't allowed to wear them. No. I said no. There was connotations not. with that stuff, mm -hmm. right? And there still mm -hmm. is today, yeah. Yeah. Know, which is yeah. sad. Um, yeah. And funnily enough, you talk about the alcohol sponsors now. Same, same exactly the same problem gambling now. Yeah. Right? And now mm -hmm. they're regulating mm -hmm. gambling. You mm -hmm. know, yeah. like how many times do you have to go through something yeah. mm -hmm. and figure out the answer? And not change. Yeah. You know, uh -huh. it's just, it's yeah. ridiculous. I yeah. just thought these kids are running around with these slogans on them. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I like a drink, in it, but I'm not going to run around with somebody's T-shirt with their name on yeah. it. You know, yeah. I think to ask a child to sponsor that. That's no, wrong. Yeah. It's, it's very wrong, you know, so. So how, how was the transition then from, because you're only young. Yeah. From mm -hmm. Belfast to Glasgow. Did it go as well as you'd hoped? Was it smooth? Was it... Was it just a new experience, or were there particular challenges in it? I mean, obviously, you had well, one yeah, I yeah, well, I was expecting <laughs> <Thanks>. me, <laughs> and, yeah, and I did it twice. I never learn, you know. I just <laughs> no. So, but uh, when we came to Glasgow, I remember um, I had to go down. Uh, I asked, I asked my husband to drop me off in the town. Mm -hmm. Just drop me off in the town. I'll be fine. And I got lost. And I had no idea how to get home. <laughs> and I had to phone him and I was in tears. Oh, you know, I'm lost, I'm lost. <laughs> and he was furious. But later on, he, he understood. Yep. He understood. Where. So um, the next time I said, I'm going to get a bus into town. And I had a very good neighbour, I must admit. Um, we rented her son's house and she was from Donegal. Oh. So she got me in touch with a doctor because I, I had no idea where the doctors were. Yeah. And she put me in touch with a doctor and because I was pregnant. And then she told me what bus to get home and to get into the town. So after that, it was just plain sailing after that. I just, but the Scottish people are like the Irish people. They just, you know, the, the humor's the same. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't, I just think we're just the same. We're Celts. Yeah. We're all yeah. Celts at the yeah. end of the day. So, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, and then I met my friend. Uh, I'd had Maeve. And he came home to find this present on the door. And it was my next door neighbour. Well, my neighbour across the street. Yeah. And we've been friends ever since. Oh, 35 nice years, yeah. Nice mm -hmm. yeah. She's my Scottish yeah. auntie. She's Scottish auntie. Yeah, Very everyone's nice. got a Scottish auntie, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to grow old disgracefully. Yeah. You know, so. Good. That's the mm -hmm. way to go out, isn't it? That's the way to yeah, go Yeah, we're going to get expelled from the nursing homes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, hello. Hello. It's all right. Just come to reset. Oh, just a reset. Okay, yeah. All right, okay. Have we been talking for over an hour? 30 no. minutes, 30 no, that minutes. Was, that was 25 minutes. Yeah, okay. okay. All right. Did it feel like an hour? 
Det er også fedt, at han har vist det. No, we've got water here, thanks. Not too loud. Too quiet. Oh, too quiet. Oh, that makes a change. Of course we're perfect. She's a gentle soul, God bless her. Okay, great. Okay, thank you. So I'm really interested, uh, Mum, in you know, you've been through this trauma, um, <coughs> the conflict in mm-hmm. Ireland, mm-hmm. Um, came to a new country. What has been recovering from trauma like, or are you still recovering from trauma? Is it an everyday process? Have you even thought about recovery from trauma? Has it even entered your head? Because I know it's been, you know, quite a you know, a blase thing, that, that was your words, quite mm, blase. Mm-hmm. Have you even thought about recovery? I know p- some people who've been through what you've been through, you know, actually enter, you know, professional therapy to deal with what you've been through. Um, but what is... What I call it wine. Wine. <laughs> 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 no, well, when you when you say that, now we were in Belfast, actually, I'm going to step back. There's certain things that trigger Mm-hmm. things in me I can go I can sail through it all and I'm quite an easy going person um, I think some people might say differently but and I think as the years have gone by I've become more sort of relaxed of things more yeah. mellow yeah. but uh, we were watching a program I'm not sure whether I'm allowed to mention the name of the program go for it okay it was called Trigger Point, uh, Trigger Point. okay did you watch it I have not watched it very no. good show okay but in the first, it's the girl from Line of Duty that was in it. Oh, right. And the first episode, there was a van exploded unexpectedly to us. And that... That was a trigger. That was a trigger. Yeah. That sort of really gave me a huge flashback. And I'm thinking, oh, and I thought, I don't know whether I can watch this anymore or not. But we did. And it was once I knew what was going to happen. And but this is the, the whole it thing. It was the shock of it. It was the sort of unexpectedness of it. And uh, and that was fine. So things like that. I can't watch documentaries about Northern Ireland. You I find can't, I can't. can't. No, I find them very difficult because there is a lot of. I knew people who were killed, and I knew people who were injured, and who were affected physically and mentally very badly by the troubles. And I just find sometimes they don't get it right. The reporters just don't get it right, and I just think. I can't do this. It does make me, it annoys me that their stories aren't getting out there properly. Mm -hmm. And they're romanticizing it Mm -hmm. and making it something that it wasn't. I can watch silly programs like the Dairy Girls and I love the Dairy Girls and I love silly programs like that. But I don't like things that aren't factually true, Mm -hmm. you know, and even the funny ones, I'll get frustrated because they have the police driving around in these super duper cars which didn't happen or they'll take you down a street that's not there you know you think geographically it's just ah. so but then um so things like that do it to me and and we went to belfast a couple of weeks ago we did, yeah. i've always been to belfast to look after my mum mm-hmm. to see my mum my father-in-law i've never really done the touristy things that people right. do in belfast yeah. didn't go to see the titanic i know how it ends I'm just sorry, <laughs> I'm not going to say it, no. So, but we decided to do the graveyard tour. Yep. And 
there's two graveyards in Belfast. There's the Milltown, well, there's loads of graveyards, but the two particular ones are the Milltown Cemetery, which is more to do with the Republican side of things, okay. where my parents are buried, my grandparents are buried. And I thought, nah, don't want to do that one because I know what's in there, mm-hmm. you know. So we'll do the city cemetery one, which when I was growing up was the Presbyterian graveyard. Okay. And you were never allowed into it. Mm-hmm. The gates were always closed. And I didn't realise up until recently that there was a Catholic section of it and there's a Jewish section of it as well. Mm-hmm. So um, so we did that too and it was really, really interesting and Lots of stuff was brought out, and you thought, "Oh, didn't know that." And so, one of the most interesting things <coughs> about the, the Sixth Cemetery tour is that they built a nine-foot wall underneath yeah. the cemetery to to section off the Catholics and the Protestants and the Jews. And it's uh, it you know, only in Ireland, only in Belfast, <laughs> would that happen? It was such a fascinating tour yeah. of mm-hmm. of you know Belfast history and and the people yeah. that were buried there. Some really famous. Buried there. Yeah, it was, it was more to do really with the, the sort of like Victorian side of Belfast, yeah. where the, like you had the big merchants like Gallagher's right. Cigarette Factory yeah, yeah. And, and the Harlan bakeries and, and, and yeah, like yeah. Harlan really and Wolf and all things like this. And you had your um, monuments to the Spanish flu victims. Mm-hmm. Um, but that trip was really about rewriting your history. About yeah, it. yeah, yeah, it was yeah, because I never yeah. knew uh, all the part I. Irish history was banned in a lot of uh, Catholic schools when I was growing up. And I think it was maybe the year or something before I left school that it was brought back in. But all they wanted to talk about was the troubles. And I thought, we're living through it. Why do you want to talk about it? If we're going to learn about Irish history, I want to learn from way back. Everything. Everything, you know. And that's why when Maeve was interested in it, we bought her the book and said, you're not. No, this is what you're going to. You're going to learn from beginning to end. Anyway. So that was a really good, that was a really interesting tour for me because I never knew half the things that were going on. My grandmother lived opposite the city cemetery and the guy who was doing the tour was saying there used to be a bell at the front gate at the Catholic end and the Protestant, or the, the Jewish end. And they rang the bell like a hospital visiting time and that was it. They were closing the gates. And I said, so what happened to the bells? He went, they stole them and sold them. <laughs> Okay, if it's not nailed yeah. down, you know, yeah. that's, that's it, you know. So, and then the next day we went to the Crumlin Road Jail, which yeah. is a very famous jail in Belfast, mm-hmm. and it had a tunnel from the jail over to the courthouse where they used to march the prisoners yep. through. Yeah, and that was opened in the eighteen hundreds or whatever. And going through that, that was a really, really good tour, and the guy that was doing it was really, really good. But Maeve couldn't go into the execution execution chamber. chamber. It was uh, it was a bit traumatic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the girl that was was Shona that was with us said, "Are you okay?" And I said, "Yeah." She said, "You look a bit um, traumatized." I said, "No, it's a glass floor. I don't like glass floors." <laughs> no. So I had to walk around it, you know. So when I went outside, there was two army vehicles mm-hmm. there. There was a big uh, tank which was called a Saracen. And there was another four-wheeler, which called, they used to call it the pigs. Mm-hmm. And they used to roar up and down our road. And the minute I saw them, I thought, oh, my God. And she said to the guy, I told you, my mum's going to get a flashback yeah, from yeah. this. And yeah. it was. And I I just, this thing came into my head. I remember sitting in the house one night and we were watching Jack the Ripper, of all things. 
the original, and there was a shooting in the street. There was a crossfire between two foot patrols who didn't know one was walking one way and one was walking the other, and a sniper opened fire. So they were shooting at each other, basically, and the bullets come through our window. So I dived on the floor. Um, I said, do naturally, I don't want to get shot. Dived to the floor, but my dad thought I'd been shot. So he ran out, and the army by this stage were in the street, and he'd got into one of the, the tanks. And uh, my mother ran out. The wee boy down the street said, they're arresting your husband. You better come. So my mum ran up the street and shouts, did anybody see a big fat white man, a white man with a white shirt on, a big fat man with a white shirt on? And my dad got out of this tank and he went, could you not have described me any better than that? Big fat man with a white shirt, you know. But it wasn't, it was just the the, the fright of the noise. Yeah. I knew that there was something. And... Uh, but, I mean, the, the military were in the house that evening and they stayed because there was... I'd heard a louder crack. I knew it wasn't the one that came through the living room. And later on that night, my sister and I went up the stairs. And I said, look, there's a piece out of mum's door frame. That wasn't there. And we walked into the room. There was a hole the size of a dinner plate oh in the window. Goodness. And I said, I knew I'd heard a larger crack. So... The military were brought in to check it over and they looked for the bullet because they didn't know who had been shooting at yeah, who. So yeah. they wanted to find the bullets and uh, that was okay. They stayed for a while. We went to bed and of course we never slept because that was just a, was you were buzzing because it was just yeah. like, I mean, we were at, what, 11 or 12. We were just like, oh. what happened? What happened? You know, and my dad went out to work. He was on a dawn shift. And my mum, the doors, bang, 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 bang. And these two fellas were at the door. And my mum <laughs> opened the door and he says, in the name of the IRA, we're taking over your house. And she says, get to blazes. She says, I know your mother. <laughs> get home. I know your mother. <laughs> You're taking over nothing. I know your mother. <laughs> Which was the catchphrase, you know, because everybody knew everybody's mother, yeah, you know. Yeah. And throwing stones. I know your mother. Put that stone down away home. And that was like, that was to somebody else. But that was just, I was too young to realise the the immediate danger of that or what actually could have happened, yeah. you know, to See, me. So I've, I've heard these stories before. And I think when you said at the very start that your parents were the bravest people that you mm -hmm. know, when you think about that, you know, my grandstanding you know, oh yeah, these men and mm -hmm. saying, I know your mm -hmm. mother, like, you know, away you go, away I've the kids go. in the house here and they're not getting in, basically. That's a, that's a yeah. lot of stuff mm -hmm. happening, yeah. like, really in brave. a very yeah. short period mm -hmm. of time. Really brave. Yeah. So, but, and, uh, but it was, well, growing up where we grew up, like I say, you, you knew everybody, everybody yeah. knew you. Even our dogs had surnames, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so, but, and that's just the way, it was a very close-knit Yeah. Um, during the troubles, I think the communities were, they had to, they had to bond yeah. together to protect each well, other was and it, to survive. Was it important to go back and kind of rewrite a bit of that history then for you? Was that intentional or was that just a nice outcome from going back well, and doing things differently? I lost, my, my, my father died when I was 16. Mm -hmm. He was actually um, helping people get off a bus that had an incendiary device on it. And it went off and he took a heart attack mm -hmm. and died. He's 50 53. So we lost him very early on. 
Um, that was 77, the beginning of 77, we lost him. And my family scattered to the four winds then. I have brothers and sisters in Canada and Australia. Mm-hmm. So when I went and my sister went to Kent, my mother was basically there on her own. Now she had sisters and brothers at that time and she came to visit us and she went to Canada and she went to Australia. But as she got older and not able to travel, I did most of the traveling home to visit her, as did my sister. So we weren't able to do, the sort, as I said before, the things that people would normally do on yeah. tours. And my mother got to the stage where she was too old to do those things. And she never really ventured off her own road, you know. So going home, um, I was in two minds about it, if I'm honest. And yeah. Maeve had already booked it. And I thought, I really don't know how I'm going to feel about this because my mum's not there now. So mm-hmm. am I going to enjoy this? Am I going to? And I did. I actually did enjoy it. it um, and it did close a lot of doors for me, learning about things that I didn't know when I'd mm-hmm. grown up, you know. And so I did. It, it helped. And I think as well, mm-hmm. we did a lot of learning from the other side as well. We did, which, yeah. Which, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, we grew up Catholic, mm-hmm. so we learned a lot from the other side. The, the, the Crumlin Road Jail tour was was by a um, a former um, loyalist prisoner, loyalist prisoner mm-hmm. which was absolutely fascinating and, and mm-hmm. very funny and very yeah. Yeah. off the cuff. Mm-hmm. It was it was a brilliant tour. He was he was lovely. Yeah, um, he so was very it was good. Really interesting to sort of hear another another side of the the, yeah. the conflict. That was really because he was telling us too that do you ever the phrase money for old rope mm-hmm. right. Well, he said when that prison, I, I don't know, he could have been pulling my leg or whatever. <laughs> but he said when the, the women, there was men, women and children were brought to that prison mm-hmm. in the 1800s. And the men were put out to hard labour, breaking up the bricks and, and the stones and whatever. The boys would maybe go out and sell that outside to make money for the prisoners. The women were given rope and they had to unwind that down into like a thread. Right. And their fingers would bleed and coarse, he says. And that's where you get money for old rope because they used oh, to sell it. Yeah, that wow. was the saying. So yeah. I don't know whether he's that happened actually from that or whether it was just that's what happened in every prison. I don't know, but it, it was he was really good. It was fascinating yeah. to to sort of hear the stories that come out of that prison. You so, know, and so I guess I guess the big question then, and obviously you've been uh, kind enough to share some pretty strong. Mm. Uh, memories and I'm sure that's going to really help a lot of people mm-hmm. um, people people out there are going through all sorts of different yeah. trauma mm-hmm. right yeah and and I guess they'd be really interested to hear what your advice and maybe not advice but what your thoughts are around where you are today versus that journey that you've been on with mm-hmm. those very traumatic events let's yeah. face it very mm-hmm. very traumatic mm-hmm. and any kind of tips around you know being patient or being kind to yourself or revisiting the places with a different perspective or mm-hmm. you know anything that you think you've learned that you you would offer others as, as something they might consider yeah. well like I say over the years talking about it has been my therapy and yeah. I would say to anybody that is going through some sort of trauma in their lives if they can even if it's talking to yourself in a mirror in the bathroom mm-hmm. talk to somebody You know, because you can't, I mean, going back to Belfast as a tourist now, because um, I don't have family there anymore. 
I was able to pinpoint different places and say, oh, look, you know, that's the place I used to go or that's the place or whatever. And I think if you just try and talk about things yeah. that happened, even if you don't think they're relevant to what is going on just now, something has happened in your past life. Like me, I didn't realize how much the troubles impacted me as a yeah. child. You know, I was a child. I didn't I didn't have any different bringing up in childhood as any other kid. I skipped in the street. Mm -hmm. I climbed, you know, I went to the park. But it was our park. It wasn't somewhere else in the city or I wasn't allowed to explore those avenues, you know. And then when I got older, you got a bit afraid to sort of trip outside your own territory, what was going to happen. And then you got a wee bit braver and you did and... My mother and father didn't know, but um, no, I would say definitely. And the easiest way for me to get through it was talking about talk it. Talking and share. Yeah. Talking talk and share, share your stories. And laughing. And laugh, yeah. yeah. Laughter is the best medicine for anything. And I know talking about the troubles, people think, how can you laugh about that? Mm-hmm. How can you? But there's a party you has to. Yeah, it's a, co- it's a coping mechanism yeah. as well, isn't it? It's yeah. the same with anybody going through anything, an yeah. illness, um a diagnosis of something horrible, you know, it's anything at all, you know, it's, and I know there's other traumas out there that can't be as easily talked about, mm-hmm. but just, just bite the bullet, excuse the pun, and just talk to somebody. I, I, yeah. I love that. Just, mm-hmm. you know, talk, talk to yourself yeah. in the mirror. Yeah, right? absolutely. Even, even yeah. you know, it's, you don't have to share it with anyone. No, right? it's the best person to talk to yeah. because they'll listen, they won't answer you back. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. and you can, Talk about what you want to say to yourself mm-hmm. or what you would like to say to that person, you know, that's either hurt you or yeah. a person that's helped you, you know, and you're able then to say to them what. Yeah. And then, that is a, yeah. okay. a, lovely, see, yeah. a lovely bit of advice mm-hmm. and a lovely place to end. Yes, I absolutely. Think. Um, and I feel that we got away uh, quite lucky because uh, normally when we give mum a microphone, she starts to sing uh, Jolene. Is her, her her country classic? So, um, thank you, Mum. Well, uh, you stood in my toes today and stopped me from doing it. <laughs> you know? Thank you very much, Mum, for coming in to join us. You're very on welcome. The no, I hope it um, I hope it's helped, and I haven't blabbed on. No, I hope no. I've made sense. You have, you and have it will indeed. definitely you know, help. So, so thank, thank you, you very mm-hmm. much.